about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. Hello, and welcome to It's Good, Except It Sucks, a movie-by-movie movie and television series-by-television series heard through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time, we're taking a look at The Incredible Hulk, released in June 2008, when if you preferred, you could have gone to see Ken Loach delivering a masterclass at the Zurich Film Festival, Martin Scorsese's Fresno Carver advert, or Jennifer Anderson in Burma, It Can't Wait, instead. I'm Tim Worthington, and here's what I had to say about The Incredible Hulk when I live-tweeted my Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch. Never was quite sold on this, to be honest. A vast improvement over the 2003 film, but way too much angst, PS we have military hardware, as if it wanted to be an HBO series. Never quite bought Norton as Banner either. He really liked that spiritually questioning edge. That's what I had to say about it though. And joining me to give his thoughts on The Incredible Hulk is writer Gary Bainbridge. Gary, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. I'm at Gary underscore Bainbridge. That's the reason. Okay, well, Gary, before we go any further, what happens in The Incredible Hulk? Oh, really? Do I have to do this? Okay, so <laughs> Dr. Bruce Banner decides he doesn't want to be the Hulk and he goes to Brazil, to the most populous city in South America, which is a really good way to hide if you're a massive race monster and the US government are trying to find him because they think it would be a great idea to make an army full of hulks which if you think about that for like four seconds it's a terrible terrible idea <laughs> and he tries to escape from them while at the same time trying to find a cure for being the incredible hulk he's chased by Tim Roth who plays a character called Emil Blonsky who uh, later becomes the abomination which is appropriate <laughs> and they have a big fight and then he goes and lives on a farm somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's quite obvious in your description there that you don't think much of it. I'm not sure that I do either, but I will say this. I think it's a solid, decent film in its own right, but it doesn't belong with the other Marvel films. It's a lot more like a DC film, actually. It's very dark, there's very little humour. I mean, I'm sure we'll come back to some of the reasons for that, but they really didn't get it right after, you know, trying to improve on the 2003 Angley one, which got it very wrong. Where the only things anyone remembers about it now were Stuart Lee's joke about you won't like me when I'm angry, yeah, Jonathan yeah. Ross endorsing the Hulk hands toys on TV, and the fact that it looked like a video game. But it really didn't work. And my biggest problem with it is it's got basically the same plot as Iron Man, in that it's you know experiment turns somebody into something, and it ends up with two Hulks fighting each other, like two Iron Man fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that it doesn't have the jokes. It doesn't have the energy and it has kind of philosophical mystical elements that don't work like in the Iron Fist TV series which we'll be covering later on whereas Doctor Strange did do that but I'm wondering you don't seem to even rate it that highly <laughs> no do you know what it is I think that you look at Iron Man and Iron Man gets everything right but the thing about superhero films is everybody who's going to that to watch that film they're going to see the superhero and you can't have the superhero in costume the whole time because it's just ridiculous so what you need you have a guy or a woman apparently women sell movies these days who the thought you have your protagonist you have to have an actor that people really want to see people want to see Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark he's just interesting the whole time you don't care whether he's wearing the, the armour or not 
you just want to spend time with this guy, he's really great. And he thinks that Marvel learned a really good lesson with Iron Man. You know, let's let's do that, let's get somebody who's absolutely electric on screen that you want to spend time with. And then you get the Incredible Hulk, and he thinks this is a movie that's made just after Iron Man, or sort of simultaneous with Iron Man. And they've learned nothing. <laughs> because Ed Norton, and I don't know whether this is a choice of his, Ed Norton is incredibly bland in this movie. You know, it makes sense. If you're Dr. Bruce Banner, what you want to do is you want to meld into the crowd. You don't want to stand out. You want to be sort of fairly mild-mannered. You want to keep a, a lid on everything, which is great. But I don't want to see a film about me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a film about the Hulk. And the problem with, particularly with something like the Hulk, is what the audience wants and what the protagonist wants are completely opposed because what I want to do when I want to go see a film about the Hulk is I want to see this big green rage monster smashing up things in an amusing way, ideally. And what Banner wants is definitely not that to happen. <laughs> so if, especially in, this, in these circumstances, if you really need a Banner who you root for and you really don't want to turn into the Hulk. And Ruffalo does that. Ruffalo in, in, the, in the Avengers movies, when Ruffalo's on the screen in the Avengers movies, he steals every scene because you can see that rage inside him. You don't see it with Northern at all. Well, speaking of what you wanted to see from it, this is usually, well, I mean, this is only the second one, this intended to be our second question, but because of the, the nature of our reactions to the Incredible Hulk, I've moved it around a bit. Because, Gary, what did you know about the Hulk before you saw this film? I suspect this isn't going to be a straightforward answer. <laughs> Okay, I knew everything about the Hulk. I grew up, obviously, I, I remember the TV series from when I was a kid, but I was reading Hulk comics before the movie. You know, I know everything about the Hulk. I know about Rick Jones, I know about Major Glenn Talbot, neither of whom are in this movie, by the way. We which, will be coming back to that, you bar my words. <laughs> I knew about Thunderbolt Ross, and I knew about Betty Ross, and I knew about the leader, and I knew about the abomination. And, and at the same time, I knew all of the, the stuff from the TV show and know about the whole business about it being like the fugitive where he's on the run and he turns up at a different place every week but he changes into the Hulk three times and, and he was pursued by Jack McGee. I know everything about the Hulk and the people who made this movie know everything about the Hulk and God they want you to know about it as well. Well yeah, it is weird really. Like you say, Mark Ruffalo is perfect in the Avengers films but when you look back through there have been so many attempts at doing you know, the Hulk on TV and in films that haven't worked at all. Even the big TV series that the late 70s and the 80s one. I would say it was good, it was successful, it is not quite probably what people like the comics would want from it. And Stan Lee apparently didn't like it at all, which is interesting, but they'd signed the rights away, so you know there was not much they could do. This was a chance to get it right, and it doesn't quite get it right. I mean, you touched on there one of my biggest problems with it is there were all kinds of relatively obscure characters from the Hulk universe in it. But even though he's mentioned in the opening title, because his name comes up in a classified file about Bruce Banner, <laughs> yeah. Rick Jones is missing. Now, I probably better explain who Rick Jones is, because I imagine a lot of people listening won't know. Long story short, he's an ordinary human. He's normally depicted as kind of like a college student who, in the original origin story, he was there when Bruce Banner was hit by the gamma rays. I think, wasn't he? 
need to, to drive out to the test site and play his harmonica or something. That's right, yeah. Bruce Banner rescues Rick Jones. There's a gamma bomb that's about to blow up, and this kid, Rick Jones, he drives onto the nuclear test site, which is a terrible idea, by the way. You should never do that. <laughs> and Banner is the only guy who is able to go after Rick Jones and save him, which, you know, seems mad considering you're probably on some sort of military base, but that's fine. You know, he goes and gets him. Yeah. He saves Rick Jones. But he's too late, the bomb explodes, he's covered in gamma radiation and he becomes the Hulk. And then then only plays quite a big role in the Marvel Universe because yeah. he initially he sort of he's Bruce Banner's confidence. He's the only person who knows his identity and he follows him round. The cover is generally that he's a singer-songwriter, which does actually come into the plot sometimes in some comics over the years, yeah, bizarrely. Yeah, yeah. He's actually the one that gets the Avengers together in the comics, because I think he finds out about Loki, doesn't he? And he rounds them all up. I think he's looking at Fantastic Four, but he gets everyone else instead. That's right. He becomes sort of a hacktivist before such a thing was even actually possible. He's like a paper-based hacktivist. Yeah. And he works with a lot of different superheroes over the years, so he's somebody who's very important in Marvel. And they've never... I think he's in the 60s Hulk cartoon with that ridiculous theme music. Banner, belted by Gamma Rays, turns into the Hulk. country and western bloke in the TV series they were never with, included with the Stetson and, yes. and long, yeah. long blonde hair yeah. yeah and it, it doesn't work and it, it's a shame that a character that is so important hasn't appeared apparently just because he was in the original version of the script and Ed Norton wrote him out I don't know why it's never been explained because he rewrote the script very heavily but that really Ed how I could mean, you there have been so many characters in the other films that are kind of an equivalent to him. Mm. And it's quite... He is a major player, and I don't see any way they can bring him in now, unless he teams up with Captain Marvel, but yeah, that remains to be... Because everyone's saying everyone's going to team up with Captain Marvel now. But it's really hard, because he, he becomes uh, Captain America's... Um, he becomes the new Bucky for Captain yes, America. Yeah. Well, that's not really the way the Captain America movies went with Bucky. No. <laughs> and then he, he, he becomes the alter ego of Captain Marvel. Mm. Who, uh, who the original Captain the original Marvel, Captain we, Marvel. Say, yeah. we don't get him but we get all kinds of very obscure characters from the whole never appear again there's the Abomination as you've mentioned Betty Ross doesn't reappear Doc Samson not as Doc Samson yet is in it there's a scene where Samuel Stern starts turning into the leader and the leader never reappears Jim Wilson who's Jim a high school Wilson. student is in it and then also Omar from The Wire bizarrely is in it but <laughs> I can't figure that out. It actually appears to be as Omar. I don't quite understand his place in Marvel canon. But, no, yeah. no. Jack McGee is in there. Jack yeah. McGee is a college student in this. It's not like they couldn't get another college student into the movie, making Rick Jones, who knows? No. There's only one character who carries on, of course. Oh, there's two, but I want to see which one you get. Oh, okay, two characters who carry on. Okay, so... One hardly anyone noticed. Oh, oh, I am with you there. Okay, so the obvious one is Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. The other guy is Martin Starr. Yeah. Who plays Spider-Man's teacher in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mr. Harrington, yeah. Exactly. And is a computer nerd in this film. He is the 
builder's computer nerd. But yeah. it retroactively been incorporated into the larger universe. Well, I wonder if, because it took them so many years to get the rights to do Spider-Man, yeah. if they were planning it at that stage and he was originally billed as Roger Harrington and then they changed it to <laughs> avoid speculation that Spider-Man was on his way. I find that very unlikely. <laughs> in the same way that there's that, that kid in Iron Man 2 who retroactively turns out to be Peter Parker. But yeah, there are a lot of references in this too. I mean, the first Iron Man film has a lot of references to the 60s Iron Man cartoon. This quite heavily references in places the 70s and 80s TV series. I mean, in the opening titles of the Incredible Hulk the TV series, he was in a very similar machine to the one yeah, that started yeah. this one. The theme music comes in at some points. Like, we really get the music. Walk, yeah. yeah, there's Don't Make Me Hungry, You Won't Like Me When I'm Hungry. But this, there's also this so really many... annoys me, by the way. <laughs> Can we just move into this? I mean, the, the word in Portuguese for mm. hunger, <laughs> you don't say I'm, I'm hungry or I am angry in Portuguese. You say something along the lines of I am with hunger, I am with anger. And the word for hunger and the word for anger completely different. <laughs> I'm very, very angry about this. Or hungry. But there's also a lot of situations they put him in, like the the fight with his co-workers in the factory when he says, don't yeah, make me yeah. hungry. They're quite like things from, if there's one criticism you can level at the whole TV series, it was formulaic. He would be bullied by bullying men who were tangentially related to the main villain, who, and he would then turn into the Hulk and get angry. But obviously in this, he doesn't want to turn into the Hulk. But Changing into the Hulk three times in every episode of The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. You just watch it, it always happens, it always happens just before the break. And of course, they had Lou Ferrino doing the voice in this one. And also appearing in it. He appears in the movie as a security guard, which oh, is yes, exactly yeah. what he did in the previous Hulk movie. Yeah. But in the previous Hulk movie, his partner as a security guard is mm. Stan Lee. I have to say, I mean, it's a, it's a massive tangent at this point, but who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> did somebody see the film Twins and think, oh, that's a really good, good way to organise reality? <laughs> One of the things that annoys me about this film is that moment when he meets Luferino as the security guard and he sort of clasps his hand and he says, uh, you the man, which is totally out of character at that point. Of course, that's not the only reference to the incredible, to previous Incredible Hulks in that film. There's a, a pizza parlour called Stanley's Pizza Parlour, which is run by a guy called Stanley Lieber, which of course is Stanley's real name. This old guy who runs it, Stanley, is played by a man called Paul Souls. Now, Paul Souls was the voice of Banner in the 1960s cartoon. Oh, right, yes. He was also the voice of Spider-Man in the Spider-Man cartoon in the 1960s. They do refer back in, in the way that Iron Man refers back to the old Iron Man cartoon. Well, that's quite a disappointing thing, really, is that, you know, a lot of this stuff was in place for him, and something just didn't work somewhere down the line. Now, I'm going to say, it looks to me like it was to do with the script, because... You try to find out about the authorship of it, it's very, very murky, and Wikipedia does actually state and it's cited that there was no credit right at one point who was refused a credit. Ah. And there was a dispute between Norton and the actual script writers about how much everyone wrote of it, and I believe, I don't want to go too far into jump to conjecture, but it is true that he did minimal promotion for it. I think he yeah. maybe did one TV show, a couple of other things, then he went on doing some charity work somewhere, and Right. Although it's not very surprising that he didn't come back for the later appearances of the Hulk, but I think Mark Ruffalo was perfect, so I think we kind of won there. But I wonder if we've got to a point now where CGI, and I think we are actually, at a point <laughs> where CGI is sufficiently advanced to replace 
in the Incredible Hulk replace Ed Norton with Mark Ruffalo. I'm not saying whether we, sh- you know, I'm not. Mm. I'm saying we can do it. I'm not. I'm not saying we should. No, I am saying we should do it. We should mm. definitely do it. We should just replace. <laughs> we, should, we should just. We should just superimpose mm. Ruffalo mm. doing a, a typical Ruffalo performance mm. over the top of Norton and just be done with it. It didn't happen. Ed, who? I've no idea. Well, I wonder if it might benefit from a kind of recut maybe which isn't going to happen but there is there is 70 minutes of deleted scenes on the Blu-ray wow. 70 including I mean we'll come back to in a second what does happen at the end but the original ending it looks like was going to be when he was in I think is, the, is it the Antarctic but it's somewhere snowy and there's a very brief glimpse of what appears to be Captain America beneath the ice I think so, that, I think which became a later yeah, yeah. tag scene but maybe it would work if somebody went to the trouble of pulling apart and reason, but then you're down my theory of what if somebody re-edited a magical mystery tour, what's the point, is what it is. Yeah. And it's sort of film that when I occasionally, very occasionally see it, I think, well, I didn't mind that, but it's not Ant-Man, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, I could not repeatedly watch it. I don't know quite, again, it's really hard to find out quite what was on the back of, but they never did another starring Hulk film, and there are some people that say it was a rights thing, which might explain why some of those characters never reappeared, and some say it's due to the poor reception, but it's 80% something on most film websites, you know, with aggregate score. And, you know, I don't think the taking's particularly bad, but there's obviously something somewhere that made them think, yeah, let's let's just leave the Hulk in the background of things. And, yeah. I do think it's the problem that that, that I alluded to earlier, that the problem with with the Hulk is that your protagonist wants to stop the Hulk from appearing, and the audience wants the Hulk to appear. And I think what they've actually done very cleverly over the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe saga, is that what we're calling it? now I don't know it's the infinity saga we're calling it, yes I think what they've managed to do is is by by having having banner sort of almost accept the Hulk you take that problem away and I think now is the point where you could actually start thinking yeah. about doing a new Hulk movie based on the status quo that we currently have with, with the Hulk, which I won't spoil in case you haven't seen any of the other movies. <laughs> At the end of this, we get something that almost, almost saves the film by itself, which will kind of like gloss over, because it is, it essentially leads into one of the one shots which we will be covering separately. It's a scene in a bar, with Thunderbolt Ross absolutely off his face, mm. utterly in despair. Because I think one important thing that does work in this film, doesn't get touched on, is that he has a kind of personal collapse. He comes to realise that he's been worshipping the wrong person, as in Blonsky, he's been demonising the wrong person, which is Banner, that his daughter turns against him. He has all this, and yeah. then he's drowning his sorrows, and then Tony Stark turns up and basically, in two or three lines, saves the entire film. <laughs> trying to recruit the Hulk for the Avengers and yeah. it's almost like it's a almost thought, oh it. hang on we want people to go and see the next one let's just put this in at the end this is a scene that you know is supposed to be right at the end it's supposed mm. to be a proper post credit scene yeah. you just know because just the, the way it works it does not fit with the rest of the movie at no. all it should definitely have been right at yeah. the end and people will watch the first cut of that movie and gone no people aren't going to stick around <laughs> through the credits of this. we need to put it right at the end I think it's interesting with Thunderbolt Ross being the only one who came back and I thought well, how, how does this actually happen and the only thing I can think of is that he must have been lined up for four movies they must have thought, well, we're going to have we're going to have three Hulk movies, aren't we? Of course, yeah. they are. you know, who's not going to want to go and see the Hulk two? Mm. 
and and the Avengers they'll need yeah. him in the Avengers and that's why you know he's, he's you know mm. I kind of assume that that's what they, they, mm. they, they, they do and of course it didn't happen and then one day you know Feige's sitting there Kevin Feige the overlord of Marvel the cinematic universe and he says who have we still got under contract <laughs> <laughs> and they managed to get three more movies and we're to get Civil War <laughs> we get Infinity War and he shows up at the funeral <laughs> yes he does yeah. and, yeah. Yeah. and Hurt's going oh thank god I'm out I'm out I'm out <laughs> all I'm saying is Liv Tyler they're coming for you ok well, there's just one thing left for me to ask Gary if you had the ability to turn into a giant green superhuman creature what would you use it for? I'd use it I think to smash up all the copies of this movie <laughs> Well, you can't say fairer than that. Gary, thank you, and Excelsior. (laughs) Right back at you. If you've enjoyed this, don't forget that you can find more editions of It's Good Except It Sucks, and much more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me, at timworthington.org.